What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside returning co-host Odell Harmon Jr. Woo! How are yeah. you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great. Great to be back on the show. How long has it been? It's been actually approximately a year. I was oh. on here September 27th. All right. Okay, good. Yeah, okay, I like that. We keep you on here. Yeah. Bring me up to speed because I see on the Twitter, of course, I follow you uh, religiously to see what you're up to and what you think of the new Pokemons. I see you're in Japan. I see you're in Vegas. What What have you been doing? Uh, well, last year I went to Gamescom for the first time and I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go to TGS next year. I'm going to do it. And then application time came around and it was like, oh, shit. I'm going to TGS. <laughs> and I went to San Diego Comic-Con and interviewed Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob. Very nice. That was fun. Very nice. Yeah, uh, he's a great guy. He got, he got real deep and philosophical with me in that interview, so I was like, oh, man. That... Damn, SpongeBob's deep. Yeah, Shoot. we sung the fun song together, so you yeah. can look on there on the internet. Um, How's I got... that feel for you, Barrett, huh? Big SpongeBob fan. You living vicariously over here? Yo, F is for friends. Yeah. yeah. You stuff together. <laughs> you was for you and me. And is for anywhere and anytime at all. Down here in the deep blue sea. Hell yeah. Children. I work with children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I got to introduce the interview the cast of Teen Titans slash Teen Titans Go. No same, shit, yeah, really? They're, yeah, they're the same people. So wait but... now, because if somebody doesn't remember you or they, they're a new listener, who is Odell Harmon Jr.? Oh, I am a young video game journalist hopeful. I travel the world. I interview people. I do stories. And do everything like y'all do, except I do it for free because I got passion. <laughs> and you're doing it on your YouTube channel? Yes. Which is? The Game Fanatics. Okay. I'm at thegamefanatics.com. So wait, when you're going off and you're going to TGS and you're going to Gamescom and you're going to Comic, you're paying your own way for all this? Pay my own way. Damn, son. You pay your own way here, right? Pay my own way here. Yeah, just because. Just because. You're a crazy person. I love it so goddamn <laughs> I, much. I am. I always tell people I live life uh, with reckless abandonment towards yeah. my dreams. Yeah. Because I feel like one day Uncle Sam's going to come for me. He's going to be like, your time has come. It won't be like, you know, death. It'll just be now like, you got to be an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, the, all the experience has been amazing. Tokyo was amazing. The people and the culture there was amazing. You know, they're really big on respect and oh, honor yeah. and things of that nature. And it really shows in the best of ways. I can't fathom that, dude. Like, that's what I mean. Like, obviously, I had you on before because I think you're a great voice in the industry. I think you do great work. I like you a lot. Uh, but the balls to be like, well, I'm going to go to TGS and cover TGS just for myself, just for this channel, just for this thing I do. Like, I hats off to you, man. Yeah, uh, I got to play a game called Mochi Agaru, which is a girl who has mochi powers, and she swings like Spider-Man and rolls like Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. And it's amazing. And it's an I was going to say, it Switch. seems like everything you want rolled into one game. Yeah, but uh, I don't think it's coming to America. He said it might. It, the translation was a little... Iffy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the translator, she didn't really know English. Yeah. And so the interview was kind of hit or miss, but it was video games, and it was fun. It's all I really needed. Awesome. Well, Odell, I'm excited to get all of your takes today, because this is a show built for you. Yes. The top stories, of course, are going to be there's a whole bunch of Pokemon changes Game Informer's going to tell us about. PlayStation's letting everyone have crossplay and more with this. It's kind of funny games daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames with your questions, comments, concerns, and everything under the video game sun. Then tune in to watch us record it live, twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Rooster Teeth com and listening on podcast services around the globe housekeeping for you today thank you to our october patreon producers blackjack and mohammed mohammed as predicted uh today we're brought to you by third love and quip but i'll tell you about that later for now let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the roper report it's time for some news three items on the roper report up it cares doesn't game informer a site slash magazine you are intimately familiar with. Yes. You interned there, correct? I did in 2012. Seems like yesterday. But now famous Mike Mahardy at GameSpot. Hey, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> you remember him when. Uh, Game Informer's cover, as we talked about yesterday briefly, is Pokemon Sword and Shield. What that meant is a bunch of Game Informer coverage of Pokemon Sword and Shield broke. Uh, Brian Shea wrote up all this, I believe, even though the first one I did not cite him. Somebody can check me on that, Barrett. Uh, Pokemon 
that have been cut from Sword and Shields, the National Pokedex, will return in the future. Uh, this was, of course, an interview with producer uh, Masuda. Uh, when we get to the part in question, it reads like this. When I asked for specifics about the Pokemon that didn't make the cut for Sword and Shield, including names and total number of creatures, producer Masuda uh, did not elaborate. However, he was much more explicit when I asked if cut Pokemon will return in future games. Quote, definitely, it was Brian Chasewell, definitely, he says. You can look forward to seeing Pokemon that don't appear in these games appearing in different regions in future games. I think Pokemon Home, for a lot of players, will serve as a launching pad to gather them all there and then embark on future adventures, end quote. Odell, all right, you got introduced here a long time ago as the Pokemon guy. We were getting you excited for Let's Go at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Lots have happened since then, including this announcement at 83 that, hey, guess what? All the Pokemon you've been collecting in your bank, and po they aren't going to be necessarily in this game. Where? How did that make you feel? And then it's been a nightmare since then. And then what does this news do for you? Okay. One, anyone who was part of hashtag bring back national decks, hashtag boycott Pokemon, you're a fool. You're oh! Yeah. Co completely. Completely. When I heard that news, I was like, great. That means balance a more tighter knit Pokemon game. Because let's be real. No one wants a thousand plus Pokemon in a single game because that's impossible to balance from a competitive standpoint. I'm a competitive battler. Okay. Completely get that. Also, unless you have completed the Pokédex every time up until Sun and Moon and on all those Pokémon, what are you complaining about? You never had them all to begin with. Oh, why, shit! Why would it matter that you don't have them all in Sword and Shield? Tell them! What, what are you complaining about? Yeah. Just stop it. <laughs> stop it. Because, okay, as a, if you're a competitive battler, you know, okay, let's be real. Out of the 800 and something Pokémon... If you're talking about competitive battle, we're talking about maybe 30 Pokemon max that are viable in competitive battles. Sure. What, what, what were you going to do with, your, with the other, you know, eight, seven, six hundred Pokemon that you weren't using for competitive battles? I, I just want to know. I, I don't. I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate you coming here and speaking truth because that was our thing. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, you know, hone in the game. Make the game you want. You know, whatever you want Sword and Shield to be. If it's got to have fewer Pokemon, if you think that's the right place to start, go for it. Yeah, and uh, the Pokemon Company, because uh, Sun and Moon, if uh, it was a mess competitively. Like, many sources have thought this and said this, and that was because they tried to rebalance the game, and a lot of po uh, Pokemon native to Sun and Moon just sucked. Like, a lot of them weren't fast, or they could only do one thing, and it was just like, Eh. And so I'm like, okay, you want to, and this is the thing, people also want new Pokemon. How are you going to put a focus on new Pokemon if you have to worry about implementing every Pokemon that ever existed before it? Yeah. So this news is good because also, since you're going to have them eventually in other games or in Pokemon Home, in it's the something, future. yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. I always said. If you've already caught them all and completed a Pokedex, then you've, then they're not going anywhere. You technically have them. They will always be in those previous games or, you know, in the sure. PokeBank, PokeCloud, PokeHome. What have you? Yes, I understand that you know, uh, my Larvesta that I love might not be in Sword and Shield, and I'll cry and be like, "You were my chosen one," but I'll find a new Larvesta. You will. Yeah. There's uh, there's a more Larvesta in the sea, is what I always hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm happy this news came out. So it's like, yes, they won't be in Sword and Shield particularly, but like I said, you will have them in the future in some way, shape, or form. Your babies that you know you bred and spent hours with and love. But also, since the trailer's revealed, more and more like popular Pokemon keep showing up, and I'm just like, all right, where's the guy that's going to be like, oh, no, uh, my Caterpie didn't make it? Well, Caterpie's a big deal. I mean, I, even I know that, all okay, right? I don't know. Right. If, since you've gone, I got into Pokemon Go, all right? So I know about him. Oh! I know about the poly, poly, Polygon, Porygon, whatever. So, Porygon? Por Sorry. It's yeah. been a while since I turned it on. So, yeah, I was going to say that we're one gift away from being Ultra Friends, oh, and it's I'll been like it. that for... I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. Sorry. <laughs> no, if, I, I'm, I'm familiar with this game because Andrew Goldfarb texted uh, Jen and myself over the weekend being like, hey... You guys haven't signed on in a while, but if you could help me out here, I'm trying to get this quest accomplished where people answer, you know, get the gifts and do the things. So I did it for him. So yeah. yeah. All right. So you're watching it live, people. Are you still playing every day? Uh, every ish day. When I was okay. in Tokyo, I played every day because it's like a Pokemon oh. Go haven. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How much money did you spend on Pokemon gear over there? Uh, uh not in game. I mean, like just uh, stuff in general. All right. I went to the Pokemon Cafe and sure. I bought like one of everything. So maybe like on food alone, maybe maybe close to a hundred dollars. Nice. And then um, I bought this Vaporeon that's in this uh, opera gown for Oceanic Operetta that they have a little thing going on down sure. there. And uh, I couldn't resist. So <laughs> that's 
That's, well, actually, my friend, she bought that for me for my birthday. So thank you, Oh, Tanya. what a nice friend. So uh, right. I bought a Pokemon plate from the Pokemon Cafe. And uh, I was going to buy a Pokemon kimono, but they only had the girl kimono. So whatever, man. Whatever. It'd be short. It'd be short, I'm sure. Uh, ain't no big deal. Uh, all right, I've done it. F- gifted, received, and I sent one back to you, so we're all set right, there. Cool. Uh, however, continuing Game Informer's Pokemon Sword and Shield blowout. Uh, experience sh- experience share in Pokemon Sword and Shield is a real thing. This is Brian Shea, of course, at Game Informer. During our trip to Game Freak for this month's cover story, we learned a ton of tidbits about Pokemon Sword and Shield and what went into making it. One of the smaller yet interesting pieces of info we learn involves XP share. I'm saying this right, right? Yeah, is that XP you say? share. Because it's like, you know, it's EXP, period, yeah. but they're not writing out experience, which is yeah. scaring me, making thinking maybe yeah. I've been wrong this no, time. No, no, it is right, XP cool. share. I don't want to offend you. Okay. An item that splits the experience earned in battle to all Pokemon in the player's party. According to director Shigeru Omori, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield does away with this item. However, when we followed up with Omori uh, about whether that means we need to train up each individual Pokemon, he confirmed to us that every Pokemon in your party gets equal experience automatically as you progress through the game. This revelation occurred during the filming of our Rapid Fire video interview, which you can look forward to later this week. And again, Game Informer has all sorts of stuff up already. Odell Harmon Jr., where do we come down on this? All right, it's good and bad depending on how it plays out. So this started in Pokemon Go where all your Pokemon in your party automatically got experience every time you battle. Yay, you know, when I catch a new Pokemon. Can I already stop you? Yeah. You're talking about all the Pokemon in my party. In your so party. this is like if I the four the part the party of four I have equipped with me or everybody that I have in my bag. Uh everyone, so your your max party, you know, if it's four, you know, the max six, just those not not in your bank. Not gotcha. in your perfect. Oh yeah, it is bag in a uh, Pokemon Go. Yeah. Don't worry about it, everybody. I play Pokemon Go. Pokemon Master over here. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Also, yeah. as Barrett wanted me to point out, I am in fact wearing a Sinara Wild Hearts T-shirt. I do not have a gold chain on underneath <laughs> the Halloween. Why are you breaking the illusion? <laughs> Make it seem like you're wearing a gold chain. The G in Greg is for gangster. All right, I'm sorry. I'm back to it. <laughs> XP. Here we go. All right, so um, that's cool, but for competitive battlers like myself, is that going to affect Ivy and well, not Ivy, that's breeding, but EV. The Eevee is a Pokemon, because I know in some games, if a Pokemon is getting experience from XP share, they're also sharing Eevees, which is something you need for competitive battling and uh, training your Pokemon stats in a way you want. So if having XP share on automatically and you can't turn it off affects Eevee a Pokemon, that's going to make breeding certain Pokemon and training them harder, because it's going to be like, oh, well, I can only have them, because uh, anyone else mixed in will just... Get their EVs all messed up. Yeah, they'll level up too. Is that what the deal is? Yeah, so uh, EV stands for effort values. And let's say if you battle a Pokemon that's strong in an attack, that gives you one EV towards well, that. Well, stop up for a second. You're going to tell me there's a Pokemon called EV. But then on top of that, there's a there's some kind of thing happening in the game that's uh, people yes. call EV. Yes, that's very confusing for me. You understand where I <laughs> got right. confused there? Yes, EV stands for effort values. Oh, Jesus God. All right, I got to start taking notes. This is why <laughs> I haven't played a real one. All right, go ahead, go. So you have effort values, which you get from battling Pokemon that are strong in a certain stat. You can look it up. It's one of those hidden mechanics that you just have to know the okay. game doesn't tell you about. Perfect. And usually when you have XP share turned on, the EVs transfer to the Pokemon as well as an invisible stat. Okay. And so if, the, if that also happens in Sword and Shield, that would just be a slight hindrance when you're making competitive Pokemon. It won't, like, be game-breaking. It's not going to break it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's just, like, if I don't have the option to turn it off for various reasons, you know, maybe a certain Pokemon evolves at a certain level and I really just want to keep them there and I don't want to have to abandon them in the box sure. or bag, whatever they're going to call it in this game. It's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it could be annoying if I can't turn it off, so I just hope I have an option to just... Turn it off. Play classic. Yeah. Not have to do that. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it's good because in Pokemon Go. Seems good to me. If I want to play this game, I want everybody leveling up. I don't want to have everybody leveling up. Oh, excuse me. Pokemon Let's Go. It was cool because it was like, oh, yeah, everyone's just around the same level. I don't have to grind as much. Sure. Saves time. Go fight a bunch of Zubats or whatever. Nobody wants that. No, I want that. Uh, final thing from Game Informer and Brian Shea is that HMs aren't in the game. Another abbreviation you have to explain to me. Uh, <laughs> since the start of the Pokemon series, hidden machines, HMs, have been a staple. These special moves, which could be taught uh, to multiple Pokemon, then used in battle and in special circumstances outside of the battle, were replaced in Sun and Moon with Ride Pokemon. During our trip to Game Freak's Tokyo headquarters for this month's cover story, we asked about the roles of HMs in Pokemon Sword and Shield. According to the planning director, uh, Kazumasa Iwawa, 
Uh, HMs didn't fit into the philosophy of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Quote, I think they played a role in the series traditionally to be like the relationship between a door and a key. The HM will unlock something, and you're able to progress and feel the ability to go to a new place, he says. We didn't have them in Sun and Moon, and this time around, we didn't feel it really matched the concept, especially with the wild area and wanting to have the higher degree of freedom. The player can kind of choose how they want to engage with the gameplay, having the more HM-based elements. We didn't feel like really matched the game, so this is why... I'm sorry, this, so this time around, they're not in it, end quote. Oh, uh, yeah, when they got rid of them in Sun and Moon, it was a good move. Everybody was happy. There's no downside to that. Okay. Just great. Same story here? Yeah, same story here. Um... Well, in the original games, like if you need to cut down a tree, you have to go teach Pokemon cut, mm. have them in your party, go to a tree, cut it down, and those usually the Pokemon you didn't use, so then you had to go put them back. And since you never knew when you were going to need it, you could be progressing naturally, having a great time. And it's like, hey, look at this boulder. You need a Pokemon to know strength to move it. But the nearest Pokemon Center is like, you know, 30 minute gameplay back the other Ooh, way. Ooh, no, thank you. Yeah, and then be like, oh, okay. And then you go do it. And it'll be like, hey, you moved that boulder and walked into this cave, and now it's dark. You need someone that knows Flash. Oh, you don't have no one who knows Flash in your party? Well, you got to. Go back Make that trick back, yeah. No, I don't like that one bit. Yeah, These so, all sound like great moves, then. Yeah, this was a great move. Where do you come down? Uh, everything you know, and I, I'm assuming you played it at some point, so, uh, Sword and Shield, right? You've done a demo? Yeah, I've done a demo. Uh, where, where is your hype level as the Pokemaster? Uh, it's, it's pretty up there. So, you know, back... Back to the bring back National Dex people. They were trying to discredit. The I game. love how mad you get as no. soon as you bring these people up. Because they were like, oh, they're reusing models. The graphics suck. What is this, a GameCube game? And just all this stuff. They were trying to do everything they could to discredit it because of the National Dex situation. And I played the game. I was like, oh, no, the game looks wonderful. The sprites don't look reused. Uh, it feels great. I mean, it's still very much Pokemon. You know, I feel like, you know, it's turn-based critters. Yeah. So... I don't know how much innovation you can get with a turn-based critters, but it looked great. I'm loving the new gym leaders, how they look and feel. And uh, the character's cool. There's a lot of, again, hidden things I could do. Uh, when you beat someone, if you spin around, they'll strike a pose. They'll do, oh, like, they'll do right, like a little right. disco Michael Jackson thing. Yeah, yeah. And I just I thought that was the cutest thing ever. So for you, as someone who loves Pokemon more than any human being should, are you, when they announced this, were you in the Tim camp? Like, Tim wants to see them, like, really redo Pokemon. He wants to see, like, a, a modern 2019 take on what Pokemon could be, right? Yeah. Are you in that camp, or are you happy that uh, Sword and Shield is going to be Sword and Shield? Uh, it's weird because I feel like as time goes on, we see more. So, battle mechanics, I just kind of feel like you can't touch that. It's a turn-based RPG. Yeah, nah. they're, they're not going to go, like, you know... To like half like moving around jumping, they're not gonna touch that. So, but the world I want to see like a more realized RPG world, you know, you know, three D quest, right? Like maybe people walking around, and I still kind of want to. But everything I've seen so far, I'm okay with because they've been keeping the lid on it. So part of me was like, maybe they'll surprise us, yeah, and there will be those things. But what I've seen, the growth from what Pokemon has been, I still think it's a considerable leap. Okay, I'm I'm happy with what we got. Okay, like if. If everything stayed as what we thought it is now, I would be content. I, I You're would, expecting more, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm, what I'm we still, think now? Yeah. yeah. But what I'm thinking is that will be the next game. This is the testing the waters. This is okay. you know, getting our feet wet. And then the next game, will the expectations will be high. Like, I'm going to need, like, full-fledged Dragon Quest level. Oh, of, wow. Okay. You know, again, the battle mechanics, I get that probably would just be stay the same like there's no they're not gonna they're not gonna innovate that way yeah but in terms of the world and progression and how you interact with it yeah i really want that to take a huge leap for the next title hey it could it could take a huge leap this title we don't know we don't uh, <laughs> we don't know one, one more question for you do you know about the stream on friday that they're doing for Pokemon oh yeah they're doing year? a 24-hour live stream of this where, game yeah, yeah uh so like uh, bad move. the professor's assistant i forget her name i'm sorry professor's assistant she's gonna be asking you to help her with research and um, I don't know if it's going to be gameplay or is it going to be like an actual like interactive, I don't know what they're doing. But yeah, but new details galore are supposed to be coming huh. and all that good stuff. Are you going to try to ignore it or are you going to try to black out at this point? Uh, uh, well, you can't though, right? Because it's you. <laughs> well, I figured since it's a 24-hour live stream, like by law of sleep and stuff, I'm going to miss like probably about <laughs> half of it. <laughs> so I figure, you know, once it ends, somebody will compilate, here's all the important stuff, uh -huh. here's the trailer, here's the Pokemon and I'll sit back and be like, okay. Alright. Okay. Cool. And and worse comes worse. If it sucks, Death Stranding comes out like a week Woo! before. So And there's no possible way that game could suck. 
and uh, <laughs> it comes out the same day as uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So no way that game could suck. Oh, okay, all right. So look, I'm good because Jedi Fallen Order will suck. It will be the sacrifice for Pokemon to be good. Yes, it's, mm. not, it's not a soul for a soul thing. You don't have to worry about that. It's, <laughs> not, like, it's not the Sean Layden crossplay thing. You know. Speaking of Greg Way, number two on the Rope Report, PlayStation has opened cross-platform play up to everyone. It's no longer in beta. This is Matt Perslow at IGN.com. Sony's cross-play function for PlayStation 4 has now completed its beta phase and is a full feature for developers to make use of. Strangely, Sony has made no official announcement about crossplay being promoted to a full feature. The new the news instead comes from a Wired article, which states that crossplay is now available to any developer that wishes to implement it in their game. Call of Duty Modern Warfare seems likely to be the first new game to support this at launch, with it being set for release later this month. The beta phase of PS4 crossplay included games such as Fortnite and Rocket League, which helped prove the system's capabilities. Hopefully, from now on, you'll see many more multi-platform games support crossplay. Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan explained to Wired in the same article that Sony has to keep pushing PlayStation and its features in order to survive the next generation. Quote, the track record of the incumbent platform winning the next time around is not a great one, he said. So the major thrust of my executive energy is to avoid complacency. Good news. Crossplay for everybody. Good news. Yeah, well, you don't seem excited about it. I don't wanna... Well, you know, things have come full circle, which yeah. is the name of my podcast. Go listen. Oh, hey, there you go. Where can we get full circle? <laughs> uh, at thegamefinance.com and at Full Circle Podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, all that stuff. It's Wherever it's... podcasts are given away for free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we talked about this when I was first on the show. They were talking. They was just getting in beta. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way. Because I feel what this said was a long way of saying, we said it's cool. I mean, they just got to say it's cool. We, we, we're fine with it. Are they fine with it? Yeah. And we're not holding this up. And I keep feeling like we keep getting the same thing. Everyone goes, we've opened the door. And they go, we've opened the door. And everyone's kind of like, they got to walk through. No, they got to walk through. Mm. And so I'm just like, yeah, yay. I feel it, like we're there. And the five-star man writes in to patreon.com slash games. This is happy with a list Wednesday. Greg and Odell. With Sony quietly taking crossplay out of beta my question is this how long do you think it will take before we start seeing developers utilizing the crossplay the new call of duty was already announced to release with the feature enabled but what about games already out epic games made it seem like it was as simple as flipping a switch but is it that simple for everyone dun 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 dun, dun. Uh, we're not developers yeah so, uh, so the, is it that simple for everyone i highly doubt it i think it's based on your network infrastructure and how you made everything talk i don't think it's necessarily as hard as some it's it's i think it's harder for some than it is for others based on systems your back end what you built the game on and how it's all going to work money yeah money as well uh in terms of going backwards with the question what are we see you know for games that are already out I think if you see a game that is a giant game that is doing really well multiplayer wise, I think there's a great chance you'll see it. I think Borderlands for sure is going to do it. Like we talked, we asked Paul Sage that on the Borderlands show, uh, and he was very much like, "We are all about it. We think it's cool. We'd like to make it happen." I think that's you know the best PR answer you can do is that we're working on it and waiting for it. And if we're there, then I think it's time you'll see it going. Let alone the fact of Google Stadia, right? They have to be. For all their games that are coming later and that have already been out, they have to be pushing for cross-platform play as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were throwing money around for resources to make it happen. Oh, yeah. No, uh, when it comes to Google, uh, I always say, because I think about like Google Glass and stuff, Google mm-hmm. has all the money in the world to spend on failure. Yeah. And, and what I just mean is like, if they think it'll work, they'll just throw money at it. And if it doesn't work, they'll just be like, eh. Write it off. Who cares? Yeah. Big deal. We tried, right? Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that with... When Stadia launches and it launches with some, or once it once Stadia launches in November, and then you start seeing the games that they promised come to it. When Borderlands Three does drop later on, if they're able to say and cross-platform play is here, cross you know you can bring your if they can figure out cross-progression, which you assume they'd be throwing money at as well. That's a brand new way of like, oh, that's super cool, and I'm already invested in that game. Why not try it on this and buy it again on Google Stadia? Yeah, I'm real curious. Once let's say cross-play, you know, however long from now is just the standard. Any multiplayer game is just cross-play. I wonder, like, how in terms of, like, the console wars or, like, people who are very, like, I'm this and I'm that. Like, I wonder would that finally dissolve that barrier. Like, people just won't care. It's just like, oh, I got it on Xbox. I got it on PlayStation. Want to play? Yeah. Oh, well, oh, yeah, I guess, I, I guess yeah, let's just do that. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting because I think there'll always be uh, pain points to it where maybe your name doesn't display right or, you're, you know, it's harder to party up or you can't use, obviously, PlayStation chat with, you know, an Xbox chat kind of thing. Now, granted, if the game had its own in-game chat, different story. I think 
it'll be super interesting to see how that nets out and why it goes and where you do decide to play your games. And that's when it gets super exciting for, as Jim Ryan's talking about, right, avoiding complacency in next generation, like Xbox having all these things in the war chest, all these great programs. What does that net out for when they go with PlayStation 5, you know, in Xbox 2, and they go head-to-head? Where do you net out if all of a sudden I am able to play anywhere with anybody? That'd be cool. Uh, in terms of like new games doing it, I think next year you'll see it's gonna. I think it's gonna come from the top down for the most part, where it'll be the big AAA games that have the budget and the time to figure this out, going through and testing it and working close with Epic uh, in terms of the engine, let alone the Epic Game Store, going through and doing that, uh, figuring out there. And again, for games that are already out, I think it comes down to how big your um, uh, player base is. Like you know what I mean? Like the Division Two. I assume eventually this happens, and I assume when it does, it's timed with a giant update to the game of bringing you back in to play it. Yeah, like I'm sure Fortnite, Apex, you know, they'll be like, sure, yeah, you know, our fan base is huge, we'll do it. And then well, yeah, uh, Fortnite's already doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah can you? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Fortnite's got cross-platform. All right, cool. They were the, honestly, this is all their work. Again, you want to talk about a game that, whether you love or hate Fortnite, the impact of Fortnite, the footprint of Fortnite, the power of Fortnite, that they were able to get PlayStation to buckle to their will when it was you not this not last E3, but the E3 before then, right? So 2017, when they were like, hey, we're, we're going cross-play on everything. Not on PlayStation, because they won't let us. <laughs> and the internet was like, what, uh, gamers in general, I mean, they were like, what the fuck, PlayStation? And by December, right, they were like very much like, okay, cool, like, we're working. Or no, it wasn't December, that was uh, name changes. Anyways, they quickly changed their tune of, we're working on it, we went into the, the beta, and now we're out of beta. Kind of funny, .com slash me on, because uh, I remember, yeah, it was, it was PlayStation, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't his last E3, I know, dates are always bad for me. It was so definitely, it was late 20, la- yeah, it was late last year. It was I the PlayStation, when, was it, I'm tr- what I'm confused on was it, was PlayStation at that E3? Well, they've only missed 2018, right? So 2018, they missed. No, they were at 2018. Were no, they, they missed 2019. This what year is it now? Okay, this they missed 2019. They were at So it would have been 2018 then. Yeah. Because PlayStation was there, I remember. Yes. And they all gave me dirty looks because I tweeted really a lot about this. Mm. <laughs> so 2018, they were there. Then 2019, got it, got it. Got it. Mm. Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and I'm confusing it with 2019 now. I'm confusing <laughs> it with the last PSX in 2018. That's uh. why I'm getting confused because I asked Sean Layden at the PSX in 2017 mm. about name changes, and that's when he said the Elf thing, and then in 2018, they didn't do the PSX, but then they did the thing, and they did it. So Thank what you. I'm hearing is PlayStation wasn't at E3, and PSX hasn't been here for two years because of you. You can read between the lines, yeah. What the okay, fuck, exactly. Miller? Why do you ru- ruin this for all of us? What do you mean, though? I don't know. When PSX is going to come back, it's going to be a giant party. Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. All okay. right. Uh, a nanobiologist is throwing this in there. Sony said they previously, I, I'm, yeah, okay. Sony said previously they wanted to do crossplay to protect the kids during a talk about Minecraft crossplay in 2017. Uh, but when did they? Uh, what I'm trying to do is when did they institute the beta? When did the beta actually start up for it? That's my last thing. year. Was it last year? Last yeah, uh, end of uh, last year. Yeah, again, yeah, because we talked about this. So I feel like it was last year around this time, like September ish. Okay, is when I feel like the beta happened. Perfect. There you go, everybody. Uh, uh, wrong, there's a long, winding answer to a question you did not ask, but I got so confused with myself, I wanted to get into it. Uh, Nanobuologist wrote into patreon.com slash games and says, What's up, Greg and Odell? Sony has finally announced that any game can, can support cross-play on PS4 after starting with Modern Warfare, but are they citing a tech point of view? Uh, there's a lot of butts in here, nanobiologists or buologists. I don't even know if this is the nanobiologist or it's buologist. But wasn't there a message previously about not doing crossplay because of children's safety? So why the new messaging when everyone else was able to implement crossplay long before now? Is there a sign of a newer Sony as we get ready for next generation, or are they now realizing they've been messaging everything wrong and must accept crossplay as the new norm? Uh, even bringing up the fact that they did, hey, the kid problem, right? We want to protect the kids. Mm-hmm. That was as soon as Jim Ryan said that, everybody flogged him in the streets for that because that was the stupidest thing he could have said. That was never their reason. That was, I think, Jim Ryan's uh, misplaced, uh, I need an answer right now <laughs> in the moment, talking to this journalist, that's what I'm going to say response. I, that was never the official line for PlayStation. Uh, them getting on board with crossplay. Number one, with the beta that they started January 3rd, 2019, according to Kebabs. Well, that's a Fortnite crossplay beta started on January 23rd, 2019. I don't, I, th- I don't even know if that's the right one. Anyways, Kebabs, I'll be quiet. That's not the <laughs> we're right about one. To, we're about to do that whole thing over We're again. not doing it again. Uh, <laughs> That when they got on board with it was them having their hand forced of the industry changing. Them quietly doing this now is because it's 
clear this is what's going to happen. This is what people want. This is what the consumer want, and they don't want to lose their market share. Yeah, unless your name is Nintendo, I don't think you can get away with like making online convoluted. Right. Why Nintendo? I mean, I, they probably really want to protect the kids, but I'm just like, I'm I'm 29, and I'm just like, I want to buy a game. I shouldn't have to enter my password in like three times, and then like face check ID and like give a blood sample. Yeah. Well, that's what happened it. with me and Mario Kart Tour, right? I downloaded it, turned it on. It was like, log in with your Nintendo. I'm like, I don't even remember my fucking Nintendo thing. It's not even worth it right now. And I've never gone back because I've never had. You know what I want? The five to ten minutes of, fuck, what email is it? And what is the password? Oh, shit. I need to get a, a one of my codes. You know, here's one of the codes to prove it's me or whatever. Fuck me. No, thank you. Uh, number three, sad news. Mario and Luigi developer Alpha Dream has gone bankrupt. This is Oscar Deus at GameSpot.com. <sighs> Alpha Dream, the developer of the popular Mario and Luigi RPG series, has filed for bankruptcy, according to reports. Yahoo J- Japan states the studio filed the claim on October 1st following years of financial difficulty. As of March 2018, the company's debt stood at 465 million yen. It's approximately 4.3 million U.S. dollars. Uh, Alpha Dream was first formed in 1991, then working as a construction firm. In the 2000s, the company's focus shifted to video games. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, it produced uh, multiple Japan-only titles, as well as the critically acclaimed Mario & Luigi series. Uh, that line of games started with the Game Boy Advance entry Superstar Saga and went on to spawn a, f- a further four main entries and two remakes. We awarded, this is GameSpot of course, the most recent one of those an 8, po- eight, eight out of 10 in our Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story plus Bowser Jr.'s Journey Review. Odell, did you play these games? Uh, yes, I played uh, three out of the four main stuff. I played Superstar Saga, amazing, hilarious, hilarious. For a Game Boy Advance game, I just mean hilarious. Yeah. Well, for any game, really. Uh, I played uh, Partners in Time, which is my favorite in the series that I played. And then I played Bowser's Inside Story. I got um, Dream Team, uh, played like the first couple of hours. And, it, and at that point, it was so more the same. Like, it was and, wearing thin. Yeah, it was just... But uh, they, they were a great RPG series, uh, but not better than the greatest RPG of all time, Paper Mario A Thousand Year Door. Ooh. Best RPG of all time. Of all time? Of all time. Uh, Final Fantasy VII did not age well. Wow. Now, if you play Final Fantasy VII today, the original, not talking about the remake that's not out. Yeah. Hot Trash Fire. Wow. Uh, there's, there's another modern game, though, that would overtake that. It's called Persona 5, just saying. Pers- okay. 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 I will tell you, Persona 5 is great, but the reason why... Thousand Your Door is the best. It has the best pacing of any RPG ever. You know, I get my 40 to 60 hours and I'm out. Mm. You know, I love playing you know, RPG for 100 plus hours as the next guy. But sometimes you need, to, you, know, you need to have good challenge, good story. And a package doesn't take me like a literal half a year to complete. I'm not Andrew Goldfarb. Yeah, I'm not, not about to play the Japanese only version. because you're too much of a fucking coward to beat Persona 5. Oh! I don't have that much time. Oh! I'm like Odell. Odell, oh, I got places to go. Excuse me, people. Uh, I'll, I'll be... I'm oh, not. I, I got to finish <laughs> the show. Trouble in paradise. I got to finish the show. <laughs> uh, Frank Furter writes in to patreon.com slash games and says, Good morning, Greg and Odell. We were hit with the unfortunate news that Mario & Luigi RPG developer Alpha Dream has filed for bankruptcy. In an age where the big three are buying up studios so they can have more first-party games in their pocket, it's strange to think that Alpha Dream wasn't picked up. It's sad to see a talented company go under, but what could they have done better to market themselves as a company worth picking up? Do you see them as a company that will come back and try to get picked up? Well, I mean, this is a twofold question because how do we know they wanted to be picked up? Right. I mean, we don't know. I mean, because it's always strange to me to think about how Game Freak is still like not owned by Nintendo. Sure. That, and you know, they make Pokemon. You think they just would be, but yeah, they they're doing their own thing. So, I mean, either they could have not been wanted to be, they could have not wanted to be acquired, or you know, maybe Nintendo sending them an offer and they said no because we're just gonna focus on other things because they did other things. Yeah, and they wanted to keep going. So, uh, so what could they have done to be marketed better? I. Nothing, I guess. That's it's also the thing is like whenever you talk about something like this, we don't know the books of them, right? Like yeah. it's easy to look and be like, oh, the games are great, but like how much money were they making? How much money were they bleeding out, right? Bankruptcy is there because they had debt, obviously, and they couldn't pay their bills. Where does that fall in terms of if you were looking to pick these up, you have to take on that debt and like you're just like, it's not worth it. Let alone the fact of, and I know these games are lauded, how successful were they? Like what is the metric of success for Nintendo? And when we talk about Studio is getting bought. I feel, especially with Xbox and PlayStation, I guess it's because they're Western. We hear more about what they're buying rather mm-hmm. than what Nintendo's buying. And I feel like that would be the same breath here where Sony has moved 
so far in the you know the, the west being its headquarters right in terms of playstation playstation has moved to the west being its headquarters xbox is based here i feel like that'd be a harder sell for them to look over and think about a first party studio that's operating in japan that is making these smaller rpgs like what is the scope they want to hit can they do it without the mario and luigi license you know what i mean like that's what's getting people in the door and the games are quality sure but it is being sold in the fact that it is mario and luigi it's an interesting one that, yeah, I think is a. I think it's more that for the West, they didn't know it well enough to actually be invested in it. And then for Nintendo, probably, yeah. Did they want to buy them? Did they think they were good? Were they successful enough games for them? Is there a future of Mario and Luigi RPGs? Yeah. Or uh, Mario and Luigi, yeah, you know what I mean, RPGs. Yeah, because uh, any of the other games that they made, like they said, they were Japan only. So like you said, we don't know if they were good, sold well, or if people even enjoyed them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Odell. Yes, sir. I can't wait to see what happens with all the people from Alpha Dream as they land on their feet and go to other game developers, let alone what will happen with the Mario and Luigi license. But those answers are still so far away. If I wanted something more immediate, say what came to the mom and grop shops today, where would I go? Oh. <laughs> You've been <laughs> on the show before. You've been on the show before, Odell. <laughs> this happened the first time. The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Conning Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today as Divine Kimura on Xbox One and PC. Warsaw on PC. We were here too on Xbox One. SpookyGhost.com on Switch. Yes, Barrett, I would like to see that. Uh... <laughs> Marginalia on PC, Norman's Night In on PC, Drawn Down Abyss on PC and Mac, Race XXL Space PC, <laughs> The Long Return PC, Dear Esther comes to iOS and iPad OS, Iron Judgment's expansion, or I'm sorry, I, there, Gwent is getting an Iron Judgment expansion. It's out today. It's the third expansion for Gwent. It is on PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Then, a hefty Mario Maker updates here. Uh, let's read from Nintendo's press release. After downloading the free version 1.1.0 update in Super Mario Maker 2 game, you'll now have the ability to play co-op and versus multiplayer with people on your Nintendo Switch friends list. The update is available starting today and lets you hop online in, in multiplayer versus or multiplayer slash co-op with friends and play with friends. In addition to the previously available option to play with randomly selected players uh, while playing with friends, you will also be able to select the difficulty in Course World and choose which courses to play from your list of locally saved courses in CourseBot. In addition to this multiplayer update, the free software update also adds a list of official makers in the leaderboard section. Here, you'll be able to find new courses made by official makers as well as ones created for collaborations or special events, like the courses played in last summer's Super Mario Maker 2 Invitational 2019. Other features added after downloading the update include the ability to use both touchscreen and button controls when creating courses in handheld mode, among other upgrades, to make for an even more seamless gaming experience. Uh, this is the trailer here for uh, SpookyGhost.com, everybody. If you ever wondered what would a, uh, like, a, uh, jeez, I don't know, a colorful NES game come out, you got this, and you're just shooting some ghosts in the face with this thing. Okay. All right, that's enough of that. You don't need to worry about that what game, was that, probably. Ectoplasm? Well, no, you're shooting them, you know what I mean? You're shooting the punk ghost right now with non-ectoplasm. Because that wouldn't make sense if I'm shooting the ghost with ectoplasm. It's not Mood Slime from Ghostbusters 2. I do appreciate the witch. SpookyGhost.com starting to take over. Starting to win me over here. Ooh, you're riding ghost. the cat? You're riding the cat ghost now? Yeah. Oh, there's some sushi ghosts down there? I think those are rugs. Nah, it's sushi, man. Oh, sexy, sexy ghost. ghost. Wow. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'll come around on SpookyGhost.com. <laughs> August 2008, on 18 on Steam and Switch. Missed that date by just that much, apparently. Just that much. Uh, Kebabs writes in about Mario Maker and says, What's up, KFGD crew? On Nintendo's Twitter, they announced the 1.10 patch for Mario Maker 2 that adds online co-op, the buttons we talked about, and more. In a third tweet, Nintendo said we can look forward to new course parts in the future. My question is, which parts would you like to see? Aside from 3D world unionization, of course. Personally, I'd love to see more power-ups, such as Frog Mario, Tanuki Mario, Flying Squirrel Mario, and Penguin Mario. It'd also be neat to have some vehicles appear in other games' styles. Odell, have you played this Mario Maker? I have played the Mario Maker. What would you like to see added? I would like this, well, you know, he kind of just gave us a long list of everything he wanted to be added. I'm just like, well, yeah. yep, 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 <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> that, well, if I had to pick... So I would like to play as different characters, but like 
not in the sense that they're a suit and when you get hit, you lose the suit. Like you're just legit a different character. Like if you could play as Yoshi or anyone else. Yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Because it's more just cosmetic in the 8-bit style. And so if they could implement that, but in the actual, you know, the Super Mario world and the 3D style of actually being another character running around that's not Mario, that'd be cool. Okay. I don't see why they can't. Lazy. <laughs> Lazy developers. No, they, they want to keep spacing it out, I'm sure. Uh, I haven't built anything in Mario Maker 2, so I got nothing to add to this question. You know, I built like a level that's easy to beat, and then I feel accomplished, and then I see what other people make, and I'm like, I'll never touch this again. No, yeah, exactly. You got, you got your Andes and your Barretts over there torturing people, playing, playing for pain. <laughs> Disturbing. Uh, new dates for you. The Bradwell Conspiracy is out next week. The game will launch for 20 bucks on PS4 and Steam October 8th. Nintendo Switch October 10th. And Xbox One October 11th. Uh, the Crash Team Racing Nitro-Fueled Spooky Grand Prix is kicking off this Friday, October 4th, with all new free content, including a new track, new characters, items, and a new challenge type. Uh, Rocket League had already announced they were getting rid of loot boxes. Now we know it's happening in December. I'm reading from their official blog. A game update in December will introduce a new system called Blueprints. After you play a match of Rocket League, you have the chance to obtain a Blueprint, a new type of drop that will replace crates. Once you receive a Blueprint, it will show you exactly what item you can create from it for a set price. Once they're in your inventory, Blueprints will allow you to pay to create the item it offers and receive it immediately. Or you can leave it in your inventory and choose to create the item later. Like the crate items that preceded them, blueprints can drop with special attributes like painted, certified, and special editions. In the same game update in December, we'll be introducing a new rotating item shop. The item shop will offer a wide variety of content, including new items, legacy crate content you might have missed out on, and the long-awaited debuts of items like the Titanium White Dominus. Important note, item shop purchases will be bound to your account and cannot be traded. Items from Blueprints and the item shop will be obtained by credits, our new premium currency replacing keys. You'll use credits to create uh, items from Blueprints, uh, upgrade Rocket Pass, upgrade to Rocket Pass Premium, and buy content from the item shops. Esports tokens will be separate from credits, and they will be the only way to purchase items from the esports shop. Really quick. What? Just going back <laughs> to this fucking crash team racing Nitro Field Spooky Grand Prix. Of course. Can you call it a Grand Prix when they're only given one track? That doesn't make sense to me. A Grand Wait, Prix is like four tracks. That's why it's called a Grand Prix. There's like a, a bundle of tracks. Sure. You know? You've got the Mushroom Grand Prix and the Mario Mushroom Kart. Cup. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I know you're yeah. one. one. So can you really call it a Grand Prix if it's only one Maybe, track? I mean, it's, it rolls off the tongue better than like uh, <laughs> Nitro <laughs> Team Racing Crash Spooky Event. You know what I mean? Well, maybe it'll just be three previous courses yeah, with that's the last also course that's also being true. the new course. Maybe they spookify some of the old courses. Do you ever think of that, Barrett? They uh, probably didn't. They seemed like they would have yeah. promoted that in the thing I read. But yeah, yeah. all right, digressing, digressing. Just putting digressing. thoughts out there. Well, you know, and then you were scratching your chin about Rocket League. Yeah, because uh, kind of like how Bear was over there thinking about. Wait a minute, I'm just like, how is a blueprints different than a loot crate? Yeah, the loot crate you get, you'd get and not know what's in it, okay. or you'd have to pay for it and not know what's in it. So the blueprints, the just blueprints, like, like, hey, if you want to invest money in this, you're going to get this hat, this antenna top, or this wheel. Okay. So it's a better system in terms of. Still randomizing what you're going, you what you could get, but now you actually know what you'd get. It's okay. random what blueprint you'll grab, not random what bo open the box will be inside of it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So if you don't want to pay for the things, you can just just wait let them sit the... there. Yeah, probably delete them at some point too. Oh, I would okay. imagine. Yeah, right. and then all the item shop and the currency stuff just it's just Fortnite. They're just doing exactly what Fortnite does. Okay. There's there's even more information about all this, including some uh, the last crate and all that jazz. You can pick it up when you wherever you look at yeah, your yeah. Rocket League news. I was like, I'm not a like you know paralegal or nothing, but it sounds like. You know, we're in court, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we're not doing loot crates. We're doing... These are surprise mechanics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, deals of the day for you. Yesterday, this popped uh, on the wire after we went live. Or, uh, yeah, after we finished the show, but I thought I had seen it earlier. Doesn't matter. I'm putting it in here. X-Pac... <laughs> X-Pac. X-Pac is coming back to WWE. No. Uh... Xbox Game Pass is teaming up with Spotify. Uh, this is Will Tuttle, a uh, friend of the show over at Xbox. Starting today for a limited time only, gamers in the U.S. and U.K. who join Xbox Game Pass Ultimate or Xbox Game Pass for PC Beta for the first time will also receive six months of Spotify Premium. With all the benefits of Xbox Live Gold, access to a curated library of over 100 great games on the console and PC, and millions of songs available on demand on Spotify, new members will never run out of hits for their gaming playlists. Let me point out the biggest deal here. It's only a dollar to upgrade Xbox Game Pass Ultimate right now. 
already an Xbox Live Gold or Xbox Game Pass uh, for console member. When you upgrade to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for $1, you convert your prepaid time on Xbox Live Gold or Xbox Game Pass to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate credit, and you get six months of Spotify Premium on top of it. It's the best dollar you're ever going to spend. Ooh. It's a lot, and it makes my head hurt trying to figure it all out, but cool. It's cool. out there. Yeah. Uh, people like to listen to their own playlist while playing games. I don't, because personally, I was playing like The Last of Us, and like Making Sweet Love came on, and I was just like, no, no, nope, can't do this. See, it's it's uh, for the right type of game, right? Like uh, w- now that I'm I'm working on the Borderlands Platinum and chipping away at all that stuff, mm-hmm. that's when I'm like, let's put music on. Okay. I'm just running around expanding maps and killing beasts and stuff. I don't need to, you know what I mean? But like. Yeah, Last of Us, no way. Never listen to music playing Last of Us. Crazy person. <laughs> uh, Odell, it's time for reader mail. You Yay. can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames uh, where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Quip. Did you know that nearly everyone at Kind of Funny uses a Quip toothbrush? As you've probably heard one of our showers before, I bet you did know that. Uh, but what actually makes for a better toothbrush? Industrial strength power, claims of miraculous trendy ingredients, multiple modes. If you ask a dentist, they'll tell you it's less about the brush and more about how you use it. That's why Quip was created by dentists and product designers to focus on what actually matters to your oral health, healthier habits. Quip's sensitive vibrations with a built-in two-minute timer guide gentle brushing for the dentist-recommended two minutes and it's got these 30-second pulses, ensuring an even clean. Quip automatically delivers toothbrush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. The sleek, intuitive design is simple to use and comes with a travel cap that mounts uh, to your mirror if you want that. Uh, These thoughtful features make brushing something you actually want to do twice every day. Good habits matter to live a healthier life, so... Help form fresh oral health habits with Quip. Quip starts at just $25, and you'll get your first refill pack free uh, at getquip.com slash games. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better. You can go right now to getquip.com slash games for your first refill pack free. Right now, getquip.com slash games. Third Love is our other sponsor. Almost all the kind of honeys are wearing Third Love bras, and with their tagless options, half cup sizes, and amazing customer service, it's easy to see why. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit and premium feel. Third Love offers more than 80 sizes, including their own signature half cup sizes. You can skip the trip and find your fit with Third Love's online Fit Finder. Order and try on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. They're available every day to help via text, chat, or phone, and returns and exchanges are super easy and free. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash games to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash games for 15% off today. 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 All right. Where do I want to go with you? Here's where we're going to start, Odell. Sofa King Suite. That's a nice name. It is. Wrote into patreon.com slash games just like you can and says, hey, guys. I inhaled an invisible bug. Hey, guys, follow up from yesterday's show regarding PS Now. Why does it seem like the expectations, fans and media included, have for the service are wildly hypocritical compared to those for Game Pass? As of April, PlayStation Now had 700,000 subs at a $20 a piece. Sony was making $14 million a month on games that most likely people weren't playing anymore, in addition to the hundreds of millions of dollars that they were making by selling first-party games at retail. Microsoft, on the other hand, was selling a service for half that price and relying heavily on it for their main source of profit due to a lack of first-party releases. Yesterday, Imran stated that PS Now price drop would probably only double their numbers and barely move the needle, but is that not all they need to consider the price drop a success? Even the Washington Post put something up this morning claiming they needed to do more. The article projects that they should hit 1.5 million subs by this time next year. If you're in Sony's shoes, from strictly a business sense, there is zero financial reason to change your strategy, correct? Maybe it's time we stop comparing these two companies, apples to apples, and just accept that these are merely two separate business strategies that can be equally successful in their own ways. You're not wrong in terms of it, it, it. This all comes back to 
who we are, and I'm making the circle, including you, the listener and viewer, right? Versus what people are doing as a business. Um, you're right, of course, obviously, that PS Now is super successful. We've known that. I remember when that uh, digital uh, uh, chart dropped in terms of who's making money off subscription. is like, PlayStation Now is killing everybody. I was like, oh, shit, fuck. We didn't even know, right? Nobody yeah. thought about it. It's the, the, and you talk about it here, right? We, in terms of like the successes and failures and what people do right and what they do wrong here. But you're like, what the expectations, fans and media included, are wildly hypocritical compared to those of Game Pass. You're talking about fans and critics. You're talking about people in this industry. You're talking about people who are not looking at just the moment, even looking forward, right? Game Pass is just such a more exciting and new proposition. PlayStation Now is a cool way to play old games. Now, of course, uh, yesterday they announced, you know, God of War, uh, you know, Infamous Second Son. They're putting the PlayStation 4 titles a lot of people would want in there. But still, Game Pass is, we're doing things day and date, not only with Xbox, uh, Xbox exclusives, but with other third parties, independent stuff. Now, Outer Wilds, which I know, I'm, or Outer Worlds, which I'm sk sk skating the line of being exclusive because, of course, yeah. they now own them, but they don't uh, own this game. I digress. Game Pass is something that you look at and you're like, wow, that's fucking really cool. That's really different. PS Now, you look at it and you're like, okay, cool, that's a great service to go back and play. And so, again, similar to the argument we've had throughout this week of Phil Spencer says he won't chase, uh, uh, you know, exclusivities. He wants, or, you know, uh, exclusives in third-party games, like with Sony now taking this uh, Modern Warfare mode, right? Uh, he won't do that. People are like, well, why is PlayStation doing that, right? PlayStation is doing it because it's good for business. PS Now is obviously great for business, but we're here talking about in the same breath on the other side of the coin right what's good for gamers and what's good for gaming yeah so he like he said this is this is not from my gamer perspective from like he said from a business sense if i don't if i'm already winning without innovating why would i put money into innovating that's a great point that that's just as that simple and you know as a gamer if you will want playstation to innovate or be more like game pass to be simple you would have to stop spending money on it they would, they would need a reason to do it. And from a business standpoint, like if I'm just a guy in a suit and, you know, you come in with me and you're like, blah, blah, gamers want this. And I'm like, we're up ahead by everyone else by X amount of points. Dollars and we're cents. It. Yeah, it's like, why? Right. You and have it, no reason to. And it's awesome because you're doing a great job of bundling everything together. We've talked about with this Phil Spencer versus PlayStation mindset, right? Yeah. And then today with this Jim Ryan stuff, right, of talking about complacency and how they don't want to be the industry leader for this generation and next generation get left behind. And that's where, when you get into what we're talking about here, innovation. Game Pass is innovative and awesome. And the way they keep bundling it with it and making it better and selling it for a dollar, don't get me wrong, all of this is happening because Xbox is behind and is trying to make it up and trying to make it so you look at it and you're like, I'd be stupid not to play my games on Xbox. Yeah. But that's still innovation. And that's still making us look at the next generation and go, like, what is going to happen when it pops and it happens? Yeah, I think it's interesting because... Uh Personally, just on my personal uh, just gut gamer instinct feeling, I don't think Google Studio would take off like people expecting it to be. Uh, do people expect it to? I, I don't. I feel like I'm, they I, do. I'm a founder. I'm excited for the tech and stuff. I think it's going to be a long road to hope. Yeah, if I'm being blunt, I think it'll be a bust. But, you know, I think Xbox is cool because they're saying, like, if it's not, they're prepared for it. You know, it's yeah. kind of like we're prepared for the future no matter what happens. And I think that's smart because if Google, no matter what Google Stadia does, I feel like it will change things. Not sound like cliche, but you know, it changed things. Everything changed. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if XCloud Beta is gonna you know be here this month sometime, right? Yeah. But uh, based off what they said, maybe they're just kind of like, hey guys, you know, we're done with this generation. When the PS5 comes, it's gonna be a whole new world. And yeah. I mean, that's also very plausible too. We we don't know. Like PlayStation Five come, they could be like, hey, look, we're, we're discless and cloud everything cloud this and that and, and that's you know that yeah. was there's been a lot of co questions in here today about ps now i thought uh, sofa king sweet did a really good job <laughs> of it uh but there was other ones right of like there's just it's playstation now has been around so long and people had a bad experience when it first launched or they've brushed by it it's so hard to bring people back to it and that's why i think at launch of playstation 5 you see a massive rebranding of that you probably see it i would think r roped into playstation plus where it's like, guess what? We're giving you a reason to turn this thing on. And when it launches, it's going to have and like all these games on it. Yeah. I remember when I first got it, it was just to play like some PS2 classics that, you know, ever since they got rid of backwards compatibility, you know, I was one of those people that was, I wasn't like a Twitter flamer yet, but I was just like, ah, I can't, you know, play my PlayStation 3 and two games and one game, uh, I'm, you know, turning over the table. So it was just basically to play those games. 
And then I played the games I wanted, and then I just completely just unsubscribed. <laughs> and you've never looked back, never right? Looked back. And that's why they got to try to bring people in. Uh, Borzin, double zero, writes into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. It says, good morning, Greg and Odell. Morning, Destiny Greg. 2 Shadowkeep launched with a lot of server downtime, and most people seem to understand. And this makes me ask, what makes Bungie okay with the fans? But when this happens to most other developers, it feels the majority is just so mad what gives Bungie this pass? I'm not trying to say everyone should be angry at Bungie, but rather when this happens to say Bioware, I feel that instead of a pass, a majority of people are mad at them. Should people be more accepting of this live services downtime during a launch, or should we be demanding fixes as quick as possible and hold developers accountable for a launch? Um, I mean, I feel in all fairness, you know, you should treat everyone equally, you know, come at them with the same energy, but it's track record. That's all it comes down to. Bungie is proving themselves time and time again. In various ways, so you know people are more lenient, and Bioware has you know kind of tripped up. Sure, and, and, it, and it does come down to uh, messaging and publisher stuff, right? Like Bioware, obviously Anthem's problems. Your EA, EA's funding you. How is this possibly happening? Just turn on more servers. And for Bungie now, it is we're a, a, John, a very big independent studio. We have nobody. This is our game. I think it's it's not apples and oranges. The the truth is that everyone should treat every developer probably like Bungie, right? Yeah. We know how hard it is. Well, we don't, but I mean, we have an idea of how hard it is to launch a live service game, right? So for Bungie to take their servers offline for 24 hours like they did, getting ready for the launch, I was like, oh shit, this is going to be big. And then to turn it on and see everything melt down into queues and problems <laughs> and this, it's like, you feel for them, right? Like yeah. you And I think that's what you saw a lot of the Destiny players uh, tweeting and talking about yesterday was like, this sucks, but we get it. And like we understand that you're basically relaunching the game and you are putting out a free-to-play version. Like there was concurrent numbers, even for a game that was broken, you couldn't get into outrageous on Steam, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot going on over there. And there's a lot going on when you launch any game, whether it be the division, whether it be uh Destiny, whether it be even Tom Clancy's uh, uh the Ghost Recon one, which is a different yeah. kind of game. I know, I know, I know. But I'm saying, like, anytime you get out there, we always joke around about it of like I, I'm not even joking. I think it, it might have been Luke Smith, but some developer I've interviewed recently was talking about that. Like, you know, as soon as the game's out and it's been out for an hour, everybody's played a more game time total than all the testers we had. Like, that's how this works. And so you are inevitably going to run into issues. And like we were talking about yesterday, it's always important to remember no matter how big the publisher, how big the developer's logo or name, right? There are human beings behind there. And they didn't launch it to try to fuck you. They launched it to try to have fun. Yeah. And now it's not working and they're trying to fix it. No one creates their art for it to be broken. Like, no yeah. one wants to do it. Uh, I chuckled while you were saying it, not because of the situation, but I was thinking about his question and I feel like he should have rephrased it. How does Bethesda get away with it? Mm. See, there, <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Because I'm not calling out anyone at Bethesda. But my friend always jokes to me. He's like, because he plays them, he's like, I don't understand how we can all play a broken game and just be cool with it and then do it again. And again, and again, and, and again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, like, but like, I'm not saying the games are broken. And no, like you said, no one's putting out a game, but like, like Skyrim and like some fallouts and stuff, sure. like stuff happens and like the community is just cool with it. Like, there's like, it's always that line of what is, what, it's not that you're cool with it, right? When Skyrim on PS3 was like, oh, guess what? Every door you've ever opened <laughs> is still open. And that's meaning your game doesn't run anymore 70 hours in. People weren't like, cool they were like that fucking sucks what the fuck but there was a bit of like all right cool and then they fix it over time and you get back to it and you come back to that level of fandom where it's like yeah. still excited for the next thing excited for whatever their next game you know fallout 4 or whatever it's going to be yeah because like a uh, fallout 76 you know had his issues oh, yeah. but all those people will buy the next fallout game without a problem i'm like i know for a sure thing like yeah and, and i think that's your attachment to what the game becomes it's it's always the this thing, whether it be De and we'll just stick with Destiny too, right? Yesterday's problems and probably even today, I haven't seen many updates. But the problems of the, these, in the long scheme of in the grand scheme of these things, are flashes in the pan, right? Like, if you're a Destiny two player, and not every one of them, but probably the most vocal and the most disappointed that took days off of work yesterday to play, right? You've been playing the game for two years, right? So like the fact that you're gonna have a bad experience now sucks right now, but it's going when you look back at this in two weeks or whatever even you're going to think about all the quality time you had with it in the same way of like when you get to a thing in skyrim that totally borks the game for a while but then you think about the 70 hours you had before and then the patch hopefully that fixes it and the 100 hours after like it's more of a oh yeah that's cool it's the same thing i go back to diablo 3 
when Diablo 3 launched, that was such a huge deal, and I was super excited. I love Diablo. And I remember, if you remember, this is, I'm going to get it wrong, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. The day it launched, there was a huge bug in it that was, uh, now I want to say Rule 34, which is not it, but it was like <laughs> that, where it was like error code 37 or whatever, to the point that IGN, when we, I was there and this was happening, right, sold a t-shirt that said that. Because it was like that much in the moment this was happening in a big deal. But now when you talk about Diablo 3, like, I bet for a lot of people I just mentioned that don't even know that, remember that. They've played it on Switch. They've played it on PlayStation. They don't even remember that huge fucking deal it had in that first day. And it's because it doesn't matter. But in the moment, it really fucking matters. In the grand scheme, who the fuck cares? When you're the developer and you're like, oh my God, we just want this game to work for our fans. We understand how much is riding on it. Or you're the fan going, oh my God, I took the fucking day off work to play this. You just want it to work. Yeah, uh, it was funny. I remember in college, uh, Outlands for the PlayStation, yeah, PS3 came out. It was an indie game. Yeah. And uh, the day that it launched, because I was looking forward to this game, it was one of those back like, oh, this game's going to be so great. Uh, the PlayStation Network was down for like a week yep. or something. Oh, yeah, I, I, sure. yeah, and um, and I remember because you know this was before like Twitter and everything. It was just kind of like it sucked. I talked to my friends about it, but you know the week passed and it went by. But now you know in today's world, it's like you know with the internet and everyone's yeah. just like the second someone sucks, it's like it sucks. The whole world knows about it, and the whole world's gonna keep hearing about it until. Yeah. But it's like lightning strike, like you said, it it happens and then I you know personally right like how many times uh, you kind of funny people have you tuned in to watch me on Twitch be like. Dude, Friday the thirteenth. There's a new game. There's double XP. We're gonna and like this is you know years ago now, but like we'd go into play and sure enough, it would shit the bed because the servers were overloaded with people and this, that, and the other. And it's like when I sit there and talk about Final Friday the thirteenth and how much fun I had in that game and how much I loved that game. Sure, I talk about being janky and having a bunch of problems because it was you know a small developer and a small publisher that weren't prepared for the success they found. But I don't sit there and really lament the days that I couldn't get on on double XP weekends. I talk about how much fun it was to play. Yeah, and uh, I guess just to finish off that question, I feel like also the one of the things I don't like about our industry, we vilify something. We vilify certain developers for no for what I feel like no apparent reason. So anytime you know X developer does anything, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, it's X developer," totally. you know, and just rain on them. And like you said, and then there's like people like Bungie where you know they've been glorified to the point where it's just like, "Oh, you know." Cool. And it's a, and it's important to point out too that like Bungie has been the villain in this story before, right? Like I mean, like uh, I, I, having uh, uh, Luke on We Have Cool Friends, a great episode you should watch, right? Tweeting that out, and then the you know the uh, cursatory hate I see for him because somebody's jumping on that and be like, yeah, thanks for ruining my favorite game. Like, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like they're talking about how Destiny Two launched and what kind of game it was, and then now the road to build it to where it is now. It's like people forget all the time, and they, I mean, you you exist on the internet. People forget all the time that every human being is a human being, and you, most people are not out there to fuck you over. Yeah. And so, if you don't like the decision, like th there's ways to talk about that and be cool about it, but not fucking be an asshole. Nanobiologist says, "Greg, you're right. Diablo three had air code th or air thirty seven at launch. The servers are busy at this time. Please try again later." Which was a heartbreaker. Ah, uh, Odell, it's time to squat up. This is where one of you writes into patreon.com slash games. You give me your name, username, platform of choice, and why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you. Today, Mike needs help on PlayStation 4, Xbox, and then for the first time ever, Stadia, parentheses, coming soon. <laughs> uh, Mike's username on all those is Fraylo, P-H-R-A-Y-L-O, on all of those things. Now you've opened yourself up, Mike. Is someone going to try to steal that on Stadia from you? Uh, I, of course, the forum says, why do you need help in video games? Uh, Mike writes, because I'm old, 43, <laughs> and mediocre at games, and a moderate to heavy drinker with free time and disposable income. Parentheses, if I neglect the occasional bill. So if you're down to roll with Mike, an old, mediocre at games, moderate to heavy drinker, hit him up, P-H-R-A-Y-L-O. Odell had an interesting one for you, a required reading uh, for the rotating segment. All I'm right. urging you, ladies and gentlemen, to go to gamesindustry.biz, click on the article that's titled, Don't Nod, colon, quote, If we didn't talk about politics, uh, that would be a political message. Uh, this is a very fascinating interview with one uh, Michelle Koch, or, uh, Michelle Koch, right? I always screw that up. It's Koch, 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 but I believe it's Koch, right? Like the Koch brothers, which is a bad way to remember because they're bad guys. It's a long story. I don't know. Uh, Michelle from Don't Nod uh, has a great interview over there. Uh, one of the quotes that I'm pulling out of it is this. We're living in a world that I think is getting more and more intolerant. With social media, most of the time we talk with only people that think exactly like us. And even if some of the world is really connected, we sometimes don't look at others enough. 
So, for example, with Sean as the main character of Life is Strange 2, we wanted to have him crying sometimes, to show that masculinity doesn't have to be just a big guy who doesn't show any emotion. You can see that often in video games. We tried to stay away from the ideas of what toxic masculinity could be. Whole bunch of different stuff in there, including that political message and stuff. Really fascinating read from a, a student that I think is doing really interesting stuff. On top of talking about why they, what they did in Life is Strange one compared to what they did to Life is Strange two. I don't want to spoil anything for Life is Strange two, but changing in powers and abilities and why one thing happens or why the other does too. So good read. Yeah. Uh, now it's time to check in with you. Wrong. We ask people watching live on Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games to go to kindoffunny.com/slash You're Wrong. To tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com podcast service around the globe uh the nanobiologist says uh sonia 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 i believe right is the name of professor Ma- magnolia's assistant and granddaughter okay well that's, that's her name I- i'm sorry i forgot it no, no don't worry about it spencer says it's important to know about alpha dreams update their last two games were remakes on 3ds in a post switch world sales after release came out to be the lowest selling mario titles in nintendo history so if there's any real cu- culprit here it could be nintendo for trying to support systems fans weren't looking for any ma- more games interesting um uh, hold on uh, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Uh, Kebab says Spooky Grand Prix for Crash Team Racing is already available. Uh, oh, hold on. Yeah, I deleted it. Uh, the, uh, the Grand Prix progression system launches Friday. Then a whole bunch of people wrote in to yell at Barrett. All right. <laughs> Fucking come at me. They're not. No, they're not mad at you. They're not mad. You said they're coming at Lord me. Lord of Pwn says Grand Prix literally translates to Grand Prize in motorsports. Uh, it's usually tied to individual tracks like the Monaco Grand Prix and not a collection of races. So okay. it's honestly Mario Kart that steered us wrong. Oh, man. I'm just saying I <laughs> feel like it's a wrong. term used in all kart games. Borzin00 says Barrett, a Grand Prix in F1 racing is a race that uh, happens over three days. I don't care about F1. With a series of practice and qualifying sessions. <laughs> I'm talking about kart games. You know what I'm talking about, you pieces of shit. <laughs> Bring one more to me, Greg. Bring one more. Kebab says to Barrett on the Grand God, Prix thing, most vehicles in Ma- Mario Kart aren't actually carts, so there. Oh. Uh, oh. I'm I'm surprised no bring back national decks people came after me. No, they don't listen to the show. No, they oh, just like okay. being mad at me. So there yeah, you go. it's All it's right. a bear thing. That's everybody dunk on bear today. Ah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. Tomorrow it's going to be me and Imran. Before him, myself, Fran, and Tim do the games cast at 2 p.m. Pacific on Patreon.com/slash/KindOfFunnyGames. And then Friday, Imran and Tim. Odell, as usual, you crushed it. I love you. Thank you. You're welcome here anytime you know. Where can people keep up with you? Uh, you can find me at Odell Harmon Jr. on Facebook, Twitter, um, any social media, really. It's sure. just my Stadia name. Stadia soon. Yeah, Stadia soon. Stadia. <laughs> if someone takes it, I swear I will find you. Uh, you can find me at thegamefanatics.com, the Game Fanatics on YouTube, and Full Circle Podcast on all your free podcast services. And, you know, if you got a problem, you can find me in the streets. Whoa! ladies and gentlemen this has been kind of funny games daily you know where you can get it thank you for your support consider going to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and until next time no it's been our pleasure to serve you